0: My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanted
1: It's Monday, January 15th in the year 2024. We have the war in the Middle East, which is beginning to rage on, and they're trying to do everything they can to incite those flames. And with so many other issues going on here domestically, it's just another thing to tear people's focus and to try to keep people ultimately away from the center point, which is our faith. The war in the Middle East is completely concocted. It's been engineered to look like something scriptural, It's not. It's not an end of times. It stems from the corruption of the Schofield Bible that was injected into our culture in in about the 20s and 30s and all made people believe in a new way of thinking in the church that somehow we were going to be at an end of times, that the rapture would come, people would be taken away, stripped away, and then this war would be in the Middle East and would be full of blood and destruction of the earth, and Jesus would return. It was a disempowerment of the true sense of who we were as Christians. And in so doing a very well-engineered attack was set in place so that when what we see in the Middle East now, people begin to start believing that they should support Israel as we exterminate another culture called Palestine. And they do so with the fervor as though it's religiously correct to literally do genocide on another culture. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second, but it's just really something we have to start our year with clarity on that. We have to keep ourselves centered in what the principles of walking in Christ is. And nowhere in the teachings does it say to exterminate a culture. And unfortunately, this sort of corruption is getting into every level of politic because so much of our politics are shaped by the same money, those that run Israel. And those that are controlled in the bankster in the areas and the criminal cabal that want us into a war to spread more of our blood and more of our innocent blood across this world for their wars of money and power. Patriots, one thing uh, to be very clear on is that we are in a critical time and that critical time is also pressing with us the risks of what this cabal will do in terms of covering its tracks. One of the greatest things that we've now established is we are dealing with an era of the greatest child sex trafficking ever imagined. Out of the Vatican alone, they admit that it's over 8 million children a year that are trafficked. And that is a darker and darker place all the time as we dig into it. And it's used as part of a control mechanism, obviously, but it's also part of their power and it's coming to surface. Now, just as a sidebar to that, and that's important to understand, is that we also have to be prepared. Being prepared means that you need to get yourself in condition and ready for the fact that they may do things to literally take us off base and to erase their past and erase the histories. And the most notable thing that they can do and are talking more about are things like an EMP. Head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com, use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. EMP Shield will protect you from a level one, two, or three level EMP attack also, lightning strikes and solar flares. It's an incredibly good product. It's an essential uh, piece to have in your life. I have them on our ATVs, on the, on the vehicles. We have them on our house. These are all critical devices to help protect in, in case of an EMP surge. And this is getting more and more real as we get down to the truth and the, the depths of truth that we need to know in order to undo this deep cabal that is woven into the world. So, again, head on over to empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and uh, get $50 off and free shipping. You should get one for every one of your vehicles, your ATVs. They have them for your solar 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 array. They have them for your standalone generators, for your hand-based radio stations. They have them for your homes, your RVs, the whole thing. So, again, empshield.com. Do your, use your promo code BARDS. Get fifty dollars off, free shipping. It's an American company, veteran-owned and American-tested and and made. So it's a great product. I want to start this morning with a clip, which admittedly it's it's um, to me it's disturbing, but I think it speaks to the truth. This is John F. Kennedy Jr. in speaking um, about Israel. So South Africa has brought charges of genocide against Israel in the International Court of Justice. I wanted to ask, what do you make of those charges of genocide? And people are also calling for a ceasefire. What do you think about a ceasefire?
2: I think the charges of genocide are absurd. Um, If you want to look at a genocide, look what's happened to Jews in the Arab countries in 1948. There are a million Jews in 27 Arab countries. Today there are 15,000 left. Look at Israel. In 1948, there were 750,000 Palestinians. Today, there are 7.5 million. So uh, to the, the charge Israel with genocide is exactly the opposite. Of course, it's a very, very uh, damaging charge. It's the worst thing that you can say, but it's part of a, a strategy of, of propaganda against Israel. And if you look at each one of these charges, that it's an open prison, that it's Ethnic cleansing—that there's an occupation—all of them are just factually absurd. People are calling for a ceasefire. What are your thoughts on a ceasefire? I don't. I. I don't. What is the solution? How does Israel get the hostages back? Israel's getting hit by missiles every day. Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv has twice the population density of Gaza. And Hamas is hitting it with missiles every day. How do you stop that? You just want Israel to ceasefire? Obama um, said it's not gonna. Oh, I don't, you know, it's a, it's a very strange mindset that Israel gets attacked in the worst slaughter of Jews from the Holocaust, since the Holocaust, and people are now turning this around and making it look like Israel deserved it. And it's uh, Israel's doing what it has to do, what every country would do to protect its population. It has a duty to do that.
3: You're up.
1: I fullheartedly disagree with everything he just said. And it's a distorted statement he said, when he compared about Israelis, uh, Jews in the Middle East, they're all now concentrated in Israel. The date he gave was with, before they set up Israel. Uh, he's owned by the Jewish Cabal and that Jewish Cabal are not the Israelites. They're uh, all based out of some route into the Kazarian Mafia, also known as the Red Jews. And Kennedy's showing his cards and obviously willing, here's, the, here's the, one of the Other candidates, I'd say one of the only candidates that pushes peace most often and now is advocating without saying it, that we need to be in a perpetual war dealing with Israelis fight. This is something to give you more in context to what actually happened there. I think it's important to understand how much of a setup that war was. So let me read you an article here. It's very well sourced, uh, Armed Forces Press, and it says, um, it is well known. It is a well known fact that the Gaza war was engineered. There is no way Israel was surprised. We're, uh, we're, we're going to run down the evidence list, uh, and, and here it is. So once the attack started on October 7th, the IDF did not respond for seven to eight hours. Reserve soldiers with personal weapons in personal vehicles drove from Tel Aviv and arrived on the scene hours before the Israeli military to help defend Israelis uh, on the Gaza border. Former IDF soldiers flooded social media saying it was impossible to surprise the heavily surveilled guarded border from Gaza. IDF soldiers begged for leadership to take attack warnings seriously. The low-ranking whistleblowers were told to be quiet and they were or they would go to jail. Israel admits having the Hamas attack plan a year before. Egypt warned Israel. Israeli troops were moved to the West Bank from the Gaza border prior to the attack ignoring all the warnings. In spite of that, hundreds of terrorists were allowed to, to rape, kill, and maim close to 2,000 Israelis for half a day. The Israeli people were abused for power. Creating the spark to ignite another conflagration was the goal of the whole nefarious narrative. The globalists got their wish, enter America stage left. Biden, obviously not working for the American people, but for someone else, immediately deployed over 100,000 American servicemen and women to the region, putting them in harm's way. So it goes on. I'm, I'm telling you right now, this war is a complete farce. And the problem is that when we follow the history of the Schofield Bible and what it promoted, we are starting to see so many churches buy into this idea that this is the end of times narrative. The end of times narrative was designed specifically to bring us into a global war that the globalists would leverage and then put people in submission to their, their next level of plan. They need a war. They need a war desperately to cover their rape and pillage of the financial system, to cover their global sex trafficking, and to cover all the crimes against humanity that they did with this global shot. Their idea, which would have been easier for them, is had the, the death shot worked the way they wanted it to, global death would have been much higher than it was. And it would have left people much more willing and, and unable, more willing to fight and unable to defend themselves, the economies would have been much more broken, and in so doing, a war would have been a good prosperity for the economy because money would be flowing again. This is darkness of the deepest kind, and it's something that unfortunately, it gets very convoluted because they have used a scriptural framework to build something that seemed impossible to many before until we understood the depth of what the globalists are about. You're dealing with trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, assets beyond imagination, that they can really manufacture just about anything, and the network and control that's beyond our con- comprehension. Even in 2016, they've embedded themselves in every government across the world. They have the ability to pull the main levers of power. They have the ability to mobilize militaries. And the worst part about all of this is the American government, not the American people, and not the framework of the American country, but the American government has all but betrayed the people, and is owned by foreign powers. These powers root themselves in the financial sectors, they root themselves in the pharmaceutical sectors, and they root themselves in a global sense of power that's beyond even those tiers that own all these businesses. We water most corporations down to 300 corporations that own most of the the, the corporate real estate across the world. And that gets even narrower the higher up in the pyramid you go. Right now, it's amazing to me when I watch America, having gone through what it has, always the willingness of people to volunteer up their soldiers to go die on foreign lands. And this is even worse because from pulpits, people are, are call, calling for mobilizing to support Israel. Israel created this war. And if you dig deeper, you're going to find that Hamas was actually supported by Mossad. So Hamas is in part a, a creation of the Israeli, of Israeli intelligence anyway. And it has funded Hamas and it's facilitated Hamas to keep the terrorist attacks going because it's beneficial for Israeli global politics. This is kind of the hard truth of what we have to start facing, that when we allow politics and the framing of politics in a land that was purchased by Rothschilds and taken away in the Middle East, keeping in mind that our founding fathers saw this country as the new Jerusalem. But in the Middle East, when that came about, they didn't even have an Israel then. But now we look at Israel as if it had been there forever. Our, our historical memory is, is short, to say the least. And in so doing, people are easily manipulated into believing somehow that this is a righteous war. And worse yet is the idea that exterminating an entire race of people, which is the Palestinians, is somehow justified by God. Palestinians are, to a large degree, Christian. You have a mix of Muslims and Christians, but you're sitting here watching the people that have actually not wanted war getting annihilated, and those that are wanting war fighting. This is what's crazy. And when you take this even a step further, and it gets deeper into this, you start to realize that this wave is to destroy an entire culture. We funded Israel. We have continued to provide them with the bombs. We have continued to provide them with the mechanisms, which Israel openly admits it's killing innocents. Well, innocence on the Gaza Strip now constitutes 80% women and children. So we're waging a war. And even in in the worst cases, it just doesn't happen in war unless it's an intentional act to wipe out an entire generation. Follow that along with humanitarian aid, which we now love to run in and say we're going to provide, which usually comes from our our CIA proxy, the State Department, and its subproxy, USAID. Once we get it in there, then, we start to, then they want to do the next level. We will give a injection. They're bringing in COVID vaccines for every child. This is a complete annihilation of a culture. And they want, even with the warnings coming out of the Pentagon, most recently, last, last week or two, was the concerns for Palestinian protests. We have never concerned ourselves with that. But now they're concerning ourselves with that because they're trying to promote and fan the flames of hatred within our own nation. This is really a time for the American people to mature and to start stepping back and say, we're done with the wars. And it's really important to remember, I think this is a great passage for this, actually, John 14, 1, 2. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwellings, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would be have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. It is so important right now that we keep our eyes on scripture and keep our strength in faith. And to understand that the work that we do there in prayer and in, in the worship that we do is intricately connected to where this world goes and how kingdom warfare is fought. Our prayers are essential to an understanding of a of a greater world and a more peaceful place in this world to truly see that the way forward is not gonna be that of fighting in the flesh but, also, but fighting in the spirit. So it's, it's a, a moment in time when we're all going to be challenged very heavily and deeply for a lot of these conflating narratives that are trying to ultimately draw us into conflict and war, and those are hitting on all fronts. We, are, we want to have, the, in the political space of this year, we're going to be pitting, again, people against people. You're getting warring within the political parties. you're getting warring within people that want to take stances. We want to get people that are aligned with John F. Kennedy Jr. people that are aligned with Trump, people that are going to be aligned with with Nikki Haley. All of these things are happening and we just on and on people that are aligned with Joe Biden. and even if they're not aligned, that's the narrative you're going to read in the in the headlines. You're going to be reading about all the numbers of back Trump, all the numbers of back Kennedy, all the numbers of back Haley, all the numbers of back Biden and so on and so forth. And the principle behind this is numbers lie. One of the easiest ways to run a PSYOP in a country is just to create fake polling. And and I'm serious. You can literally change a nation by just telling people what is not true by giving them numbers and say, that's what we polled and that's what people say. You can make it up. And the more that, and in this country in particular, where these stats become so important, there's five COVID deaths. We have to lock down an entire nation. I mean, this is literally where we were. And Americans have become highly conditioned to listening to mainstream media lies and framing it in terms of data and calling it science. And therefore, they, or hard data or research, which all goes back to science. We've done the science. We've done the research. But nowhere in there is this discussion of we've prayed. We've sat as a nation and we've prayed on this. We've come together as a nation and we've prayed. We've sought the word of God and we've prayed. We've sought the guidance of God as we pray. None of that's happening. And as it doesn't happen, our nation continues to auger itself down into a pit. This fight in the Middle East is a big setup and it's preparing us to deploy more troops overseas while they dump more of the enemy's weaponized soldiers across our border in the name of open borders and immigration. These are hard truths that we're gonna have to come together with because at a certain point, things are going to tip. And if we are having a large percentage of our troops deployed overseas, then you can be assured that we're not going to be prepared to defend homeland, and it's going to fall on each of us. Now, the war that we're facing here is, again, it's centered first and foremost on spiritual. And these spiritual fights are more powerful than we give ourselves credit. We have to be able to pray, and pray reach unceasingly into the strongholds and fortresses of the places that are that are out here, and, this, and the fortresses that are in the spiritual realm, the fortresses that are controlling and manipulating so much of this realm of the earth, and understand the power of our prayers and the importance of our prayers as we lean into God to say, "God, here we are, and declaring our authorities that Christ gave us." These are powerful places to walk. We aren't. We have been conditioned heavily to believe that we are victims, instead of understanding that we're we're fighting from victory, not trying to achieve victory. The more that we can get that into our mantra, the more that we can get that into our belief system, the better and greater that we are in this world. But these these points that we're hitting are starting to all hit boiling points. We're going to hit something that's going to be critical mass that's going to start causing a collapse within our nation. And there's no avoiding it. Illinois governor, it's a headline this morning, Illinois governor complains about migrant buses, blames Republicans for border crisis. There's your political spin. Right away, the Democrats are going to start screaming about the... the burden on services in a city and point the finger at a political party. Both parties are involved. We're dealing with a uniparty that's playing a script to pit us off against each other and to keep us hating each other. If you take the Israeli people who have suffered under this attack and you put them alongside of us, we're going to find that we're going to have a very common view and very common belief. But unfortunately, where we go in this world at this time is that Politics and the global network of information tends to steer people away from that simple truth. And how do we get to that simple truth? Prayer. It's that's it's that easy. Putting our, our prayer into speaking to God, asking for his guidance, listening to his way, and understanding that God is not asking for a world to kill kill itself. God is not asking anybody to exterminate a people. But you would think that the way that this is spoken and the way it's spun that we are dealing somehow with Joshua and Jericho going into to destroy a city and kill every man, last man, woman, and donkey. That's the fervor that's coming out of so many of our pulpits, as if it's an okay thing to promote the death of Palestinians. It's not. And unfortunately, too many of the people that are pushing this have never experienced war. They've never been in war. So it's easy to talk about war. It's easy to talk about this idea of deploying other people's sons and daughters to war. It's easy to talk about sending people over to die for the sake of God and country. This noble concept that we fly above ourselves as a nation to think that it's just that our soldiers are there for our use and our good feelings. When we water down most wars and you ask yourself what you're really defending, you're going to come to some pretty ugly truths. We're definitely defending, when we go to most wars, we definitely are defending the global banking system, which we want nothing to do anyway, also known as a debt system or debt enslavement or Babylonian money system. And at the end of the day, when you water it down to what the individual consumer gains in this nation or citizen, they gain better prices at Walmart and, and better gas costs. That's about what war waters down to. And with that, with a better with a better lower gas costs and fuel costs and also cheap stuff at Walmart that ensures that local small businesses can't survive. It ensures that free and cheap food that's engineered with GMOs continues and the the local farmers suffer. I can go on the list of things. This whole system is designed through war to take it down to the local level to ultimately give up what is our freedom of doing the gifts and talents and doing the right work that God intends us to do and becoming dependent on their corporate model. 2024 has to be a break from that. It has to be bold and it has to shift. It has to take the courage in our hearts to start seeing that when churches come together, it's not just praise and worship. It is also about teaching skills. It's about bringing a church into the people and ecclesia. It needs to be where churches lead the way in teaching gardening and churches teach the way in animal husbandry and churches teach the way in even home defense. Churches are are training and becoming the centers to protect God's kingdom, not to go to war. And not with the eagerness to jump to war to fight somebody else who you don't even know. It's hard for people to even to imagine the depths, I think, of, of some of this corruption. What we see on our side, for example, if you want to see the, the issues of hatred... All they have to do, it's very simple anymore, is get a couple guys that are Middle Eastern and start spewing hate out of their mouth, whether it's true or not, and throw it into a Christian crowd, and immediately the summation is that all Muslims need to be exterminated. What we don't see is what's done on the other side, and it's done well. It's done very well. It's done well to where Christian churches are funding militias to go over and kill Muslims. True fact. I can give you companies that are doing it right now. This is the problem that we're dealing with is that there's an eagerness to kill each other and that eagerness is not biblical. There's nowhere in there it's biblical. We seem to forget that God created all things and all people. He didn't create Christians and then somehow someone else created Muslims and someone else created Buddhists and someone else created Taoists and someone else created Confucius. I mean, whatever that is. Someone else created Hindus. These are belief systems. But in the end of the day, God created all things. And he is the God of all gods. He is the creator of all creators. He is the God of miracles. But we get into these places where it somehow, when we because we look at the life not through God's eyes, but we look through a religious lens, we somehow want to suddenly start exterminating people, which is quite amazing, actually. It's, it's quite amazing. I mean, what is God's heart? I think that's the question ultimately we come down to today is the question that everyone needs to be asking. What is God's heart in our life? What is God's heart in every instance? And every instance becomes about us in growing to a better place. What is God's heart? So as we step into a world and we look at problems and we ask these questions, we have to ask hard questions, questions about where does God want us to be? How does God want us to see this? How does God want us to be in this place? Because our work is to be more Christ-like, not more death-like. And this is really the fight of the war of the spirit of life and the war of the spirit of death. And this world, as a fallen world, is permeated by the spirit of death. But we have been put here behind enemy lines to fight back, to take this kingdom, to secure and expand. To occupy, subdue, and take this enemy and rout it to establish kingdom. We have the authorities, the authorities to heal the sick. And the broken to cast out demons to raise the dead, and we even can pray into things of greater works, and our prayers are effective. Those authorities given to us are massive, but unfortunately, even then, the authorities understood by that are are limited. There's too much reliance on saying as if we have to. We're pleading to God to intercede and do the work for us, rather than we're working with God as He works through us to step in from victory and subdue the enemy. Big paradigm shifts. But we have to take that aggressive role because the enemy knows he has it on our heels. It's really an amazing, there's some amazing stories that come out of the Church of Glad Tidings because they dealt right at the core with the Satanist church, stood up by Antoine Leve And that warfare was amazing. And, and when you hear the stories that Pastor Dave Bryant tells about how the, the bringing in of what was Antoine LeVay's daughter that he was going to give to Satan, who was going to be Satan's bride, the years of abuse that she had gone through, the building up of her for 30 some years of ritualistic satanic abuse and the most horrific things that they had done to literally prepare her for Satan's bride. And how the Church of Glad Tidings interceded in the warfare that came about. But what was interesting was the, the the general knowledge that came from the satanic community. And it was the they always believed that they could defeat the Church of Glad Tidings because they misunderstood Dave Bryan, for one, and they misunderstood the congregation that he raised up. But this is why they said, and this was a common theme, you Christians are foolish. You have the one God, but you're afraid to step into your authorities, and we have our God, and we can overrun you because we we believe we have more authority than you, and you don't know how to use yours. This is a powerful thing and it's known across the world. The United States is the only place in the world where the the church that brings the apostolic and the, the prophetic church, the church of acts is resisted here. Everywhere else the church of acts is 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 coming alive. You have miracle healings, you have raising the dead, you have you have the the casting out in the deliverance of people and the full scope of deliverance, not just demonic deliverance or inner healing, but it's the idea of bringing somebody truly in their full form, healing them and returning them to a place where they can see God in the throne and understand their, their purpose here. This is alive and well in all places in the world except here. Here, the church is conditioned in a doctrinal way to speak boldly and to denounce that, to tell you that it's not right, that we don't have miracles here anymore, and to do the many things that they can to tamp it down. And it's not, it should be expected then that we are exactly where we are in a place where the enemy is making the move. And now the enemy is doing even worse and trying to convince the churches to get behind a genocide. And unfortunately, there are many that are. I would ask this to every person that would promote that idea is, do you know a Palestinian? And if you do, have you sat down and had coffee with them lately? And in the process, did this Evil demonic Palestinian consume you for lunch and eat your friends and children and suddenly leave everybody dead and burning, and I would, I would encourage you to, probably expect the truth on that, which is no, they're like you and they're like me, but the way that we we turn people into monsters is phenomenal. My own personal story, and why I take this so personally it's on so many levels, is my story of twenty seventeen. My story of 2017 is a story that literally was about an accusation made to me that led to my arrest, thrown in jail for 20 days without me being able to know my charges for 20 days. But the media knew my charges on day four. And the media knew my charges well enough that 30 different publications, 30 different publications published that story within one hour on a national basis. I became a demon. I was one who had apparently stolen money from my business partner from a nonprofit that I'd set up for her to raise money for her cancer. That's apparently what I had done. And I had done this horrific crime, and this crime I had done was so bad that I had stolen $10,000 in fundraising money for her family. And I had filed it with my tax returns, and my tax returns for my nonprofit became the evidence that I was a criminal. And the public bought it. Many people bought that story. And to this day, it still lurks out there and people will look up and say, well, well what? what is the story about you? <laughs> That's why I did episode 64. So if you're now suddenly going, what, Bards, you were in jail? Go to episode 64, hear the story. I'll leave it at that because I just let my testimony speak for itself. But the point is it is so easy to manipulate a world. It literally, no one sequences, no one pays attention to how quickly we demonize one another. You know, we're at a point right now It could take anybody, and they can put stuff on your computer. They can make an accusation of whether it's true or not. And in doing so, people will, will, there are many people that will comply with that narrative. He's evil. Once you point the finger at she's evil, he's evil, and you construct it, people want to race to the evil and believe in it. Instead of putting it to prayer, instead of asking God to give the way, instead of asking God to clarify. So we are in a point right now when when we listen to Holy Spirit and we get something uneasy, the next thing we need to do is to sit with one another and discuss it. And in having these discussions, they're not easy discussions. They're discussions that we have to sit with one another and speak truth from our heart, not with vengeance, not with anger, not with hatred, but with the point of love, coming from the place of love, which is God's love. It isn't the love of I want to continue to have dinner with you every night. It's God's love. And in God's love, we step into a place where oh. we are playing speaking out the truths that are on our heart, and others then are giving a chance to speak to them. Accusing. One of the greatest things that happens in our churches these days is the accusations of one church to another, defaming one church over another church. And when you ask the leaders of those church, you will find almost every time not one of them has taken a step across the aisle to say, I want to sit with you and have a conversation about what I see. It's easy to throw stones about doctrinal stuff. It's easy to throw stones and accuse a church of doing this or that. And it's all done in the end of the day to keep their congregations activated and in the pews to raise money. That's the, that's the core of it. It's a Babylonian mindset. But if we're speaking the word of Jesus and it's true and it's, it's full, there's no accusation going from one church to the other. Paul and Peter didn't agree on all things, but they didn't, they didn't throw stones at one another. And they did go their separate ways to set up churches, but they still had the singular focus of Jesus. So it doesn't mean that everything has to be uniform. I mean, when I say that everything is going to be agreed upon uniformly. But the point of this is that when we don't take time to sit with one another and have these discussions, we're not going to get anywhere. We're just going to have war. War is like a divorce. You start with a marriage, and this is what they do in the, in the PSYOP of this, of this world. We create a marriage with a country. We, we, we pander to them, and then that marriage starts to break up, and it's usually engineered. To break up so that they can get new contracts for war, new contracts for equipment, new access to land, whatever that is. And then people take sides. And so as this breakup happens, you're gonna have people that go with the victim and with the victor. And they're gonna and this is how it's been so well engineered with Israel and Palestine. And so suddenly there's this attack, and this is the part that's amazing. It's Hamas, which is supposed to be a terrorist unit out of Israel. How did we shift the attack from Hamas to justifying the annihilation of women children, women and children in Gaza, which are Palestinian? See how that worked? Nice little sleight of hand. And they've done this in the media right before your very face. And they've poured this in and people are like, well, obviously Hamas and Palestine is the same thing. <laughs> no, it's not any more than the CIA is America. This is, this is the problem that we have here in this country and it's, it's something that we have to so much start defining to understand what the media is doing to, flame these fans, to fan these flames of war. We cannot allow ourselves to be pulled into a Middle Eastern war for so many reasons. We can't allow ourselves to go into a war and then try to do so in the name of God to claim that it's God's war when we know very well it's not. There are many people suffering in the Middle East and there are wars raging over there. But we are in the process of a change of power, and it's two-step, folks. I'm telling you what's coming is not gonna be pretty because we're gonna go through one, and they're putting the finger all at the Democrats, and I keep saying this over and over. You've heard me say this, be wary of this finger pointing. We are dealing with a uniparty, and everything wants to point their finger at Democrats and Biden because the backswing is, and they're already gonna say it, Trump has the numbers to win. But if Trump has the numbers to win, then the question you have to ask is what's in his heart and where's his objective going? And we really don't know. We don't know who backs Trump. We don't know who funds his campaigns. They try to tell you that he funds everything himself. I don't think that's true. And I think it's pretty evident by the people he keeps in his cabinet and the people he chose to be around him in leadership. He is as flawed as anybody in the people he surrounds himself with. We don't have a president at all that speaks openly, and I'm not saying he won't, and not saying he can't. Just to get people's back down, if you you feel that I'm attacking Trump and he becomes the sacred idol. I just don't believe in idols in politics. And I think it's very important to say that when a man finally will come forward and speak Jesus from the pulpit, we're getting somewhere. He surprised us, or surprised me, I think it was his Christmas or New Year's message. He was speaking more about that, which is good because I happen to know that he's received a number of Founders Bibles, and I happen to know that he's reading one in particular right now, which is great. Praise God, and let him read it more. But at the root of this, we have to get to a place of understanding that it is not leaders that change this nation. It is a nation built under, under God with the power of the people, with government subordinate to the people. Government is of our will, not of government's will above us. And we have to become engaged in this republic to understand what's going on, to look past the politics. It's difficult with the media, but they are truly a propagandist and an inflammatory agent to try to bring us to the brink of war in all things. So the other big narrative that is going on right now is that of civil war. And what's helpful with this narrative and in in giving this narrative even more fuel is not only what's coming across the southern border, but now they can point to Israel and say, see what happened to us. They broke through the greatest, most defensive border-protected area in the world. Well, that's there. That's not here. They have brought people in. They have brought in illegals in. And the sad part about this is the setup is already being made. The contractors that are moving the people in and around the country are already signing and ink the contracts to move them out. The game is already set. The play is next, and they understand who's going to be president next. That should tell you something. And when it also tells you it doesn't matter what the politics are, they're already gearing up to make the position for a perpetual war. In the middle are caught people, people that were brought here. They were brought here under a lie. They were promised things, and they believed it. Not all these people coming across the border are bad. Many of them are desperate and looking for, looking for an opportunity. And while it may not be the opportunity that we like, like promising them free food, free housing, free, free everything, nonetheless, they're trying to get out of an impoverished place in their nation. And so they come here and they're being lied to. The easiest way to deal with people that you're lied to when you've lied to them is just cut off their resources. Once they get here, then they become violent and then they become desperate and desperation leads to crazy things. And that's where the violence comes from. Add to that the people that are coming across that are fighting age males to embed in and around our country to do actual acts of violence. They're preparing this for an upheaval that then they can point to this and say, look, these are Iranians. Look, these are Middle Easterners. And to create not only a a hatred for what goes on within our border, but to mask their own hand in this and to have us hate one another across geographic lines. Pretty amazing. And they're engineering this well. This is all part of the greater plan. And the greater plan here is in the middle. People are just pawns in the game of power. They want to break down every aspect of our faith and governance. They want to reduce us to a level where we literally don't have any hope anymore and we have to turn to something greater. They want us worshiping government more deeply and more profoundly. And they also want us to be rejected in the religions that are out here to realize uh, for us to say, we don't need multiple religions. We just need one religion and they're already ready to hand it to you the one world religion. They're already prepped. And all this is designed to wear people down and turn them away from the principal issue where the answer sits. The answer sits within God. And we get there through prayer. Fundamentally that simple. So get in the word. We say it every day and there's not a more important time than right now than to get into the word, to read deeply in the word and stay there. Let the word marinate within you. Let our prayers reflect it. Let everything we do become stronger as we work with God, as we make our pleas to God, and as we declare our authorities under God. Let us move in that place mightily. And let us be powerful. And let us be the sons and daughters of the Most High. And let us be what we are intended to be, the priests and the princes of this world that lead this world, that advise state leadership, that give people the wisdom of the scriptures to guide them in good decision-making, to keep us away from war, and rather than instead of war, we seek peace. War is a failure in the mechanisms of, a, of man, and it's the tool of the fallen to keep us divided and yet forever in, in hatred at each other's throats. It's how the tool, it's how we control people, is through hate. We have to walk from love, and love in all things. And it begins in a very simple way, and this is where I'll close today. We have become accustomed to, to outsourcing everything in our life. When I say that, if we have a problem in our neighborhood, we call a police officer. If We have a problem at school, we don't. We can't talk to the teacher. We have to take it to a board meeting that's at the end of the month. Everything, if we have a problem with a neighbor, we get a lawyer. Common law was at the center of our nation at the beginning. Common law is rooted in biblical law. And it is basis of a, of a claim between one person and another, eye, eye to eye, face to face. We have to change that. Meaning we have to get back to that. We have to get back to the place where we have the confidence, the moral basis, the love in our heart to speak to one another about issues and be open about it and stop playing this corporate ping pong that we do. And it's a it's a, a game that has been put into our life that keeps us apart from one another. Social media is one of the worst forums ever to for that because instead of speaking, we just speak into the world and we speak hate to people and we don't speak to them. It takes courage to speak to people directly. Every one of those generals on that letter of the DMA, Declaration of Military Accountability, and the 231, at one point or another, every one of those generals has been confronted. And every one of them has denied or renounced or walked away from doing what's right. At that point, biblically and scripturally, we have the right then to take it to the public, which has been done. This is how we have to reset our lives. This is a very critical time in our history to start living differently, to start resetting the moral basis, because we can win every battle and we will still lose the entire war if we cannot reset the moral foundation of this nation, to get us back to some very common principles to understand that we're not fighting each other. We're trying to find a way to love each other and respect each other for how God made us. And when we shift that paradigm, that means we have to take time to look at one another, And ultimately, it's going to water down to what we do in our local neighborhood, in our local, in our daily lives, and how it's modeled in our churches. And our churches have to get better. Our churches are failing miserably at this. We don't have the right as churches to argue amongst one another without having common meetings across the board. Most, Most notable in that attack ever is Bethel Church and the rest of the community around it. It is unprecedented, the attacks that Bethel has come under. And I'm not defending Bethel. But I'm going to tell you that the books that have been written about Bethel, the churches that have spoken out about Bethel, not one of those pastors have ever gone to Bethel and sat down and spoken to the, to the leadership of the Bethel church. And I know that. But it's easy to throw stones. It's easy to write books. It's easy to post crap on social media. And that is not where we, that is not God's way. So let's begin by remodeling this because at the root of that changes the way we see our world. Our local community changes how our nation works. How our nation works changes how we operate in the world. And we have to get back to that fundamental issue of face-to-face. Talk to one another. Speak love to one another. Find air our differences. Come to an understanding of where we sit. Speak from the love and the scriptures in which we walk in and then see where things go. But pray always and pray unceasingly. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we come to you today humbled and blessed and thank you for all that you bring. Thank you for all that you have brought to us in our lives. Father, right now we're just praying for a deep root of shift in our nation, a root of a moral shift in our nation, away from the hatred and the way from the division and the common sense of disparagement and moving to a, a model where as a nation we can speak to one another with truth from the heart to be unified under the body of Christ. To speak truly and blessedly to one another and air our differences one on one. And to then have the conversations that are so needed that can come from the heart. And we have to understand that we will not always agree. And there are time places we can come to that we can agree to disagree. But it's there before all things that we must go in order to try to heal the differences between us and work to bring you into that space. And may we bring that in the place of Holy Spirit through prayer and unity. And speaking truth. And may the things that we feel in our heart be spoken truly from the heart of the Holy Spirit, not heart from our emotions. And may we dig deeper into this to literally ask for your blessings today, to burn away the emotional binds that are put upon us, to shred that and to step into a new place. Where we literally walk with the unity of your heart, the unity of your vision, the unity of what we, which you hear and let us see that world that way father let our heart always be your heart and let us our heart be the heart of jesus in this world that it is about for us to raise up and be greater and to be greater in the moment and greater in thee and in so doing become greater amongst one another but this is the unity of the body of christ now that has to break down the dead stone walls and reach into the world and bring the body of christ into the world not be deceived by the foolishness of media not be deceived by the tremors of war not be deceived by all the traps of hate but let us lead in the place of love but let Holy Spirit speak truly to us to find the true things at the root of the problem to speak truth to power to question those things that are obviously concerns and to find those places to heal where we can so guide us Father in this hour we say these things in Christ Jesus name Amen my grandfather's time it was always a direct discussion, and I've told these stories before, but it was a, a point of, in his era, there was a one-on-one understanding that we needed to speak to one another. We needed to be honest to one another, and we needed to speak our hearts to one another. Men had to be men. And unfortunately, as that assault has happened and we've become isolated and sent to jobs and our families have been broken and the economics have gone up and down, the willfulness and strength of men has diminished. But part of being men in a family is also to, to be men in a community and men in leadership. I said this many times, and it didn't happen in my community, but I did say it. If we had been able to pull together enough men in my community or your community, for that matter, during COVID and sat down with the sheriff and laid it out and explained the rules that you work for us, that in the time of COVID, we will not lock down any business. A business may have a right to lock itself down, but you will not do any of that. You will not enforce any of these unconstitutional rules. And if you don't abide by that, we will remove you from office and we will defy you anyway. Had there been those conversations with sheriffs one-on-one, much of the problem we felt in this nation would never have happened because the men in the community would have spoken to their representative of law and order. But that didn't happen. Instead, the burden was placed on people looking to say, where's my sheriff to do the right thing? And the problem is the community didn't step in, in, at least not often enough to say, my sheriff is here and we are leading him with our support of him. We are heading into some times now that are going to demand that we start stepping up. We have to start talking to one another. We have to start building the bridges between each other and the honesty of our heart with one another. You have to be able to sit at a table, even with somebody who you're not content with, and to speak truth to them and let them speak their truth back to you. And these are uneasy conversations, but they're fine and they're, they're peaceful and they're loving and they are productive when we literally do so from the strength of our, of our foundation in Scripture and Holy Spirit. So our steps ahead are going to be bold and big, and this is how we will be able to outmaneuver the enemy, but we're going to, it's going to take us having the courage to step in and go face to face, patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward, patriots. I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then, or until the next time, God bless and out for now.
3: We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it.